Hello and welcome to the Southside Church podcast. For more information about Southside Church located in Cape Town, South Africa, visit southsidechurch.co.za. We hope that you enjoy the message. During this crazy period, we've been in the series uh, Redefining Freedom and We've recognized how gaining the outside world doesn't help if our inside world is collapsing. We've acknowledged uh, Mark chapter 8 verse 36 in God's word where Jesus says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? And we've come to understand this statement as both speaking of a destination but also as a diagnostic expression. Explained by the author John Ortberg when he wrote, To lose my soul means I no longer have a healthy center that organizes and guides my life. In week three of our journey, we discovered how a healthy soul lives loved, but an unhealthy soul lives to be loved. We explored how loving others starts by loving ourselves and that our worth is not created, it is discovered. Martin Luther said, God does not love us because we are valuable. We are valuable because God loves us. Then in week two, we learned that true freedom is manifest not when we try, but as we trust. We looked at Exodus chapter 14, verse 14, in which God's people were told to be still for victory instead of striving in their own strength like we so often do. And Exodus 14, verse 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. These circumstances have forced us to become still from the busyness of the daily lives we were so used to. Author Richard Raw wrote, the opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is control. We discussed how in the season, because of that, we need to surrender to what we can't control and focus on what we can, our thoughts, choices, and priorities. And we realized that the greatest question we could ask ourselves in seeking freedom in a season where we are isolated, living with lack, and uncertain is to ask ourselves, who am I becoming? Dallas Willard said, and we've mentioned it throughout this series, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. Then at the start of week one of the series, we had acknowledged that we are more than a self, that we are a soul, and that we need to take ownership of our personal stories in order to take care of the condition of our souls. And we refer to Philippians chapter 2 verse 12, which speaks into this kingdom principle when it says that we are to continue working out our salvation with fear and trembling. As we take what we've learned from this series into the rest of our lives, as we seek to implement these things and find freedom uh, um, outside of the external restraints around us, it will always begin by owning our story. Um, and it's not easy to do this. As Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 to 10 in the message expresses, it says, The heart, the heart of humanity and of, uh, of, of humans is hopelessly dark and deceitful. If we own our story, we are not just owning our success and strengths, but our failures and weakness, the dark side of ourselves. And when we see the dark side of ourselves, we tend to default to what we learned from our descendants, Adam and Eve, 
who covered their bodies in shame when they sinned. But the problem with that is that God can't heal what we keep hiding. And although we often view God as a big man on a throne in heaven with a lightning bolt to strike us down for our darkness, it was at this moment with Adam and Eve that God's heart was revealed in Genesis 3 verse 9. And he doesn't come in this portion of scripture looking for Adam and Eve with a rod of lightning, but he cries out in desperation for intimacy with them when he exclaims, where are you? That cry from the heart of God would then be revealed in the lengths that he would go to in order to find us through sending his only son, Jesus Christ, to die in our place And restore us to a living relationship with the absolute truth of the living God, our creator. And that's why in Jeremiah it records, I, God, search the heart and examine the mind. I get to the heart of the human. I get to the root of things. I treat them as they really are, not as they pretend to be. God wants the real you with all your weakness and failures because Jesus died the death you deserved. Therefore, God doesn't look at your darkness as a chance to harm you, but to heal you. And so we don't have to hide. We need to ask ourselves, how can we own our stories without shame today? Because if we don't own our stories, our stories will own us. We will live for a victory that will be determined by the uncontrollable conditions around us instead of living from victory through Christ within ourselves, regardless of the external restraints we may face. The early church father Augustine wrote in Confessions in AD 400, How can you draw close to God when you are far from your own self? If we don't own our stories, our stories will own us. And if we don't own our stories because of the shame and the pain and and the guilt that comes with us, with it, then we will never be able to truly care for the condition of our souls. So how can we begin owning our stories practically? As we leave today, as we've landed this series today, how can you implement what you've learned and continue owning your story in a practical way? And so we must recognize that whenever God begins new beginnings, they always require necessary endings. So I want to look at four ways in which we can stop certain things and start certain things practically in order to own our stories. And so the first thing we can do is we can stop hiding our sin and start confessing it to God. You see, confession covers and it heals what we try to hide in our own strength. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, we read that if we confess our sins, He, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. In James chapter 5 16, we read about another dynamic of confession. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other 
and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That is amazing. That's significant. And that's why for Southside Church, life groups are so important. And so for us right now, online groups are important because they give you a space where you can be real, confess your struggles, stand together and pray that you can find healing. That's because confession covers and heals what we try to often hide in our own strength. And so the process of confession is often very painful because we are taking responsibility for our weakness and failure. But that moment of hurt is leading to healing, not to harm. In fact, when we confess our failures and weakness, the pain that goes with it is a positive sign that we are no longer deceiving ourselves and are moving toward healing. Last Sunday was Easter Sunday and we celebrated Christ's resurrection. And thinking of the resurrection, I remembered something written by Richard Raw in his book Immortal Diamond where he said, in all accounts, the risen body still carries Christ's scars and reveals them too, hands, feet, and side are all mentioned. Remember that resurrection is not woundedness denied, forgotten, or even totally healed. It is always woundedness transformed. We still carry our weakness and our brokenness, but through Christ who is alive with us, our woundedness can become transformed. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 12, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. Now we read in Jeremiah that the hearts of all men are deceitful and dark. We all have sickness within us. We're human. We're imperfect. For the doctor to deal with the darkness of our human hearts and heal or transform our wounds requires we confess where we are broken first. And that's when our pain, our woundedness is transformed. And pain that is transformed is no longer pain that is transmitted, either to us or to others. If we're going to own our story, we need to stop hiding our sin and start confessing it to God. What greater time and season in your life to do that than now? where you have less schedules and deadlines going into the office or wherever it might be, and you could actually take some time at home to pause and get real with God and stop trying to put on a performance in your prayer and begin to just confess with freedom where you're struggling, where you're broken, and where you are weak. The second way we can practically engage in owning our stories is to stop blaming others and start working on ourselves. Now, something that's interesting is that as part of hiding our weakness, we tend to dress the problems we face and the failures of others instead of focusing on the one thing we can change ourselves. But James chapter 4 verse 1 says, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels? We want to kind of bark at each other like those two dogs. The cause of my conflict and quarrel is you. If that changed, if you changed, if this didn't happen... It says here, what is the cause of your conflicts and quarrels with each other? Doesn't the battle begin inside of you as you fight to have your own way and fulfill your own desires? Stop blaming others and start working on yourself. 
Remember, the most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. Now, in God's Word, in the New Testament, there's a parable of the talents. In Matthew chapter 25, it's where a master puts his servants uh, in charge of his goods. And each one gets a different portion um, uh, that they have to look after, after, a different portion of talents. And each has to steward their portion personally. The master then returns in this parable and evaluates their faithfulness in making wise investments with what was given to them, their portion. And to those that multiplied their own portion, he gave more. But to the one that only contained what they had originally been given, there was judgment. At the end of your life, God will look at what you did with your own portion in life, not what you did with the portion of others. Where God's word tells us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, we are often too busy working out the salvation of others. We need to remove our focus from what everyone else must change or should do differently or how this should work out and draw the attention back to who we are and how we are being transformed and changed in the midst of our own lives and journeys. To own your story, you need to stop blaming others and start working on yourself. The third point, very practical way in which we can own our story, is to stop reacting with answers and start responding with questions. And this speaks into our attitudes, the way we approach our every day as we seek to care for our souls. In the Gospels recording the life of Jesus, it documents that he asked 307 questions. Perhaps we are more like Christ when we ask questions rather than when we have all the answers. The historically known French philosopher Pierre-Marc Gaston said, Judge a man by his questions rather than by his answers. Instead of, this isn't how, it should do, how you should do it, God. Perhaps we could ask the question, how can I surrender to your sovereignty in this situation that I don't understand? Instead of saying, you better change or I'm leaving, we could flip it over and ask ourselves the question, what do I need to work on to make things better? Instead of reacting, I don't like you, we could walk away and ask ourselves the question, why do I feel this way about that person? What about what that person does triggers insecurity in me? Instead of saying, make it go away, Lord, we could instead convert that into a question and say, what are you teaching me through my suffering, Father? Do you see how when you ask questions, your trials become your teacher and your hardships help you in the process of becoming instead of focusing on what others are doing? Leonardo da Vinci said, the greatest deception men suffer is from their own opinions. I once heard Pastor Brian Houston at a conference say, the bigger your opinion, the smaller your world. One of the significant ways that we can practically embrace owning our stories is to stop reacting with answers and start responding with questions. And then the fourth practical way that we can begin to own our story is to stop striving for spiritual perfection and be still in surrender to his will. And I know that for me personally, this is a very difficult one. 
There is a level of connection with God that requires no performance, but just your presence. And as we go into this new series, Resetting Your Religion, I am going to begin to help you practically take steps to move deeper into your intimate space with God in a personal way. But for you and I, I want to take a moment and I want you to think about the power of the pause, of ceasing to strive for spiritual perfection. You know, I've got to read the Bible more. I've got to make sure I'm doing all this. I need to. And you're just like always feeling you're not meeting the mark. And it's like, oh, I feel so guilty, God. I should have done more. I should have achieved more. I should have earned more approval. Stop striving for that spiritual perfection. Pause and be still surrendering to his will. And, and what is the significance of that? John Ortberg describes it in his book, Soul Keeping, when he writes, many Christians expend so much energy and worry trying not to sin. You know, you want to be the perfect little Christian, your own strength. The goal is not to try to sin less. In all your efforts to keep from sinning, maybe perfecting your religion, what are you focusing on, he writes. Sin. God wants you to focus on Him. To be with Him. Abide in me. Just relax and learn to enjoy His presence. Stop striving for spiritual perfection and be still in surrender to His will. And what better time to do that than in a season of lockdown? For there is always an opportunity attached to the obstacles that we face. Remember that every miracle starts with a problem. So how may God manifest in the miraculous in a season where many can only see a problem? As you are forced to pause, you can't work, you maybe had business which isn't happening, may you find freedom as you care for the condition of your soul. That when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrow like sea blow roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say that it is well, it is well with my soul. Though Satan should buffer, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his blood for my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul.